0: Episode 267, Bonus Edition, Interview with Jamal Maxim. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Empowering Educators podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Welcome to the Always a Lesson summer interview series. I've asked some very special guests to bring their wisdom to you all throughout May, June, July, and August. Connecting you with other elite educators is one of my favorite parts of this job as a teacher leader and podcaster. The insight that you are going to gain from these conversations is going to prepare you to hit the ground running during the back-to-school season, but more importantly, it is going to reignite your passion and your potential as an educator. Are you ready to level up what you bring to the table and how you serve those you lead? Then buckle up and let's go. Hey, y'all, it's Gretchen from Always a Lesson, here to empower you to reach your potential You know it. I call you elite to me that describes someone that invests in themselves listening to a podcast like this one to hone their craft. And I've got to tell you, today is a special day because we have an empowering guest. His name is Jamal Maxim, and I've got to tell you a little bit more about him. So Jamal's a friend, a mentor to new and aspiring leaders, as well as edupreneurs. His mission is to ignite K-12 educators to be champions of change by stepping into leadership or edupreneurship so that they can rekindle their joy of being an educator. Jamal is known for his ability to plan strategically, helping those he serves create action steps to accomplish their vision and overcome the challenges of school leadership. Jamal obtained his first leadership role at the age of 16, managing a fast food restaurant, leading his peers as well as adults. His success continued as he opened a new location of a franchise, recruiting and training team members, which resulted in several awards for sales and performance. But then Jamal shifted to education and he continued to grow in the ability to develop people. He taught for nine years and then served as a school principal. He's led a school with as many as 92 staff members, serving approximately 950 Families. He's also provided support to a school principal at a school that served approximately 2,100 families. So, in addition to running his business, Jamal serves on the board of directors of a nonprofit organization. He lives in Cincinnati, Ohio, with his wife, where they enjoy laughing and spending time together. And you will hear in this episode his furry little friend, too. And he's also got children, of course. I've got to tell you, I am so privileged and honored to share Jamal with you. I have known him over this last year, and he has really brought change into my own perspective, encouraged me from the most genuine place, and this guy drops some gems. He is so eloquent and so inspiring. Just turn up the volume and take it all in. Well, hey, Jamal. Thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Gretchen. It's an honor to be here and to talk with you and and the listeners.
0: Yeah, we're going to share all the things about what you're doing in education, how we've worked together in the past. So let's just dive right into it. How do you and I know each other? What platform have we been able to connect and, and serve other educators on?
1: yeah so we met on clubhouse and we've been in some education rooms together and i think we initially met in jean um, Carlos's room mm-hmm. w- which we call home room <laughs> and from there we started to you know um, develop relationship and we've you um actually co-moderated a room with me and my club um, that we do every wednesday called the principal's office and then we've been in some other clubs together and you were I believe you were a guest in one of my challenges that I've done where mm-hmm. you did a where you did a session um, during one of the five day challenges. And so on. Um, so, yeah. yeah,
0: it's been great. Clubhouse is one of those things that people either love or hate, mainly because they love it because they've met folks like you, but hate it because they don't understand it. So give us a mm-hmm. quick rundown. Why would Clubhouse be helpful for educators? Why should they get on that app?
1: Well, definitely, they definitely need to get on the app because it's a way to connect with other educators from across the world. So you're not just connecting with other educators in your state or your school district, but across the world. And you get these variety of perspectives, you develop relationships, and you get help. Because one of the things I found on Clubhouse is... I get ideas from other people and as I'm learning what they're doing, but then I'm also able to support them and what they're doing. So it's a great space for collaboration, networking, and I would just say professional development, because the rooms that are are hosted on Clubhouse are are like many PD sessions where someone is sharing. And then in the moment you can ask questions, you can ask them to elaborate. And so it's a it's a great tool.
0: Yeah, you can chat, you know, just type in stuff as you're listening, or you can come what they say on stage and you can use your voice to interact and ask questions like you mentioned. It's so personalized it's like a level up from Twitter where you were just kind of chatting back and forth on a specific topic and I have met so many great people and learned so many things and I love that you can pick and choose what you want to participate in you know what topics you're interested in and when what part of the day you're you're even willing to hop in and you can go in for a minute and out for a minute it's just really casual but a great opportunity so I'm so glad it was created and obviously glad to connect with you will you tell us um, what are you doing in education right now what is your role but also walk backwards where did it all start
1: okay so i'll, I'll start backwards and bring it towards today. okay and so i started really i was in business i went to school got a business management degree um it was fresh out of college and was in marketing and business management just doing the whole corporate thing and and to be honest it was extremely boring i didn't feel like i was helping anybody achieve their full potential and that's always been my passion, to just to help other people fulfill their potential. And so that led me to education and I started out, so of course I had to go back to school and then got into my first classroom in a charter school in um, a very tough area of Cincinnati. And I was teaching technology, it's K-8 school. So I began to teach there, began to take on more leadership responsibilities, became the team leader. Of um, what they would call you know the specials teachers mm-hmm. and, you know and I'm like where well, every class is special come on now And so <laughs> but that's one of the things where you had to really advocate for your content because people didn't view tech and it was weird they didn't view technology as being an essential course and our progress monitoring tool was computer adaptive and computer-based because we were using NWEA map
0: uh-huh, And I'm yep. like
1: and I'm like, technology is more than them being able to take the test. They mm-hmm. actually have to be able to use it to demonstrate their knowledge and skill set. So, began doing that, became the team leader, and then the model shifted where I became the school, the leader of um, the entire school's um, academic intervention that was computer based. Mm. And so, it was the reading and math ac- academic intervention, and students that were below grade level didn't go to special; they came to me. And so I would have like 60 students at one time in a computer lab and they did give me an assistant. And so I'm teaching many lessons and then they're working on their own uh, on the computer. Then I'm pulling kids up to my desk, working with them one-on-one to really close those achievement gaps. Mm -hmm. And it was a a successful program. Then after that, I went into school leadership because I just kept feeling this sense that I could do more to help students and I could be a greater influence. So went into school leadership my first leadership position was in a charter school which was it was challenging and then i began to just utilize my experience and what i had learned to um turn around struggling schools and did that went went to traditional public school and continued turning around schools and being extremely strategic and um, led a school that had about a hundred staff members i don't like calling them staff members though but for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. 100 100 people on the team and we serviced like 950 students and did well at that school. My final year in the district, I was moved to help the high school, which had a high turnover of principals. And so Mm -hmm. I was called a principal on assignment to help that principal turn around the school and implement initiatives and strategies. And that was funded through a um, school improvement grant. So I did that my final year and it was very interesting because that year I was there in January, they were like, hey, you know, this is great. The team here loves you. We want you to stay here. But if you really want to go back to the elementary school, you can. <laughs> and so while I was thinking about it, because I already knew they were they were just giving me the opportunity to to give my opinion. But I already knew they were going to make me stay there because <laughs> they, they kind of made me go, you know, in and, and that district, you were voluntold a lot, yep, you mm-hmm. know. They will ask you something but it would be more of a directive mm-hmm. and so um so i was like okay let me get back to you that was january february a house bill passes and public school funding budget is cut and they were trying to distribute more to charter and put um, in private schools and things like that and so a lot of the districts lost millions the district i was in particularly lost half a million oh, wow. and so and our district was pretty top heavy with administrators at the district level, because mm-hmm. everybody had a team, everybody had an assistant, everybody had a, you know, they started, these folks came in, start adding admin assistants, and more oh, nice. people, you <laughs> know, when they came in, they were like, boo, 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 they just started adding folks. It was like one year, it was like our our district level admin just like tripled in size. Holy at, cow. In one school year. And so guess what? Now they got to re-downsize that, and they're cutting positions and then they were cutting like dean positions as well. And so, what ended up happening, because my position was brand new, mine got cut. Mm-hmm. And so, at that point, the entire state was impacted. So, I had to make a choice do I take my skill set from leading schools and turning around schools and facilitating change? Do I put that on? Do I sharpen my resume and start applying when I know everybody's impacted? Or do I take that same skill set? And just create a consulting business and so i took the chance on myself and um created my own consulting business and um and so now that's what i do i i support educators i support school leaders and mainly i work with those who are either aspiring or within their first couple of years of school leadership i help them really step into who they are as a leader but also be facilitators of change because it's one thing to get to a get to a school leadership position, and go with the flow. It's another thing to be able to analyze a system, analyze the culture, see what's going on, and strategically move that school forward. And so that's what I help I help leaders learn how to do.
0: It's amazing listening to your story. You're a problem solver. You see a need and you create a solution. In each role, you are able to do that and it's not that you have all the solutions but you're willing to try and figure it out and then you get all these tools that then you can apply to the next situation um yeah. so it's really inspiring to you know follow that lead in your gut as to how you're supposed to show up and just keep working at the problem until you can figure it out
1: absolutely and that's the thing and this is what i i don't know if you've um, heard me recently on clubhouse but this is the thing that i've been saying recently and especially now with everything that's going on um, in education, it's it's extremely messy, but it's always been messy. Mm-hmm. But the problem is the messiness we've seen before, we've identified it, we sat in meetings about it, we sticky-noted it, mm-hmm. sticky-charted mm-hmm. it, and you know put questions in the parking lot and did all those things. And we've had numerous meetings, but there has been little action. And so for me, The thing that I've been saying is, one, we have to be the problem solvers and we have to see a mission within the mess. And so Mm. that one particular thing that keeps just bugging you about your school or your district or even education as a whole, that's probably your mission. Because if everywhere you go, you see this problem Mm -hmm. and it just keeps bothering you. And you're sitting there thinking, I wish somebody would do something about it. Then most likely you're the somebody that (laughs) other people are wishing would do something about this problem and so that's why I've been encouraging educators instead of resigning if it's your time to go it's your time to go I get it Um, my wife transitioned out of of education um, last school year because she recognized her time was up and she had she was in education before I was I mean she was teaching was a Dean was a principal was like nope don't like it went back to the classroom Mm. and kind of did her thing and so so for those people I'm not talking to them I mean you got to find your next chapter and do what you gotta do. But for those who are just frustrated and thinking about quitting, maybe it's not time to quit. Maybe it's time to really address the root of the frustration and solve the problem or put something in place to solve that problem. So it'd be better for them, their coworkers and the next generation of educators.
0: Mm. You're such a good speaker and such a good motivator. When you are working with these educators, are you noticing commonalities that make certain folks great or more successful?
1: Really, the common thing is just passion and vision. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, I have to have this great skill set to bring change. The biggest thing you have to have, one, is passion to bring the change. And two, you have to have a vision. You have to see what the school, what your district will be like beyond the mess that you see. And then, you know, and that's the main thing because I help people with strategy because some folks are like, I see it, but I don't know how to get there. Mm. And so I can help you develop strategy and be intentional. But the thing is, if you have the vision and if you have the passion, and I'll just add the willingness to, to keep going at it, then you know, that's the thing, that's, that's, that's it right there.
0: Mm, that's good. We've got a couple different types of educators listening, so I want you to pick one and give them advice. So your options are the new teachers that are listening, uh, teachers in transition or maybe distress, like you were mentioning before, or teacher leaders like yourself and I. So if you could pick one of those folks to speak to, who would you pick and what would be the best piece of advice you could give them?
1: I would speak to the teacher leaders. And here's why. Because leadership is influencing people to take action. So if somebody's in transition or they're new, while they are extremely beneficial and important, it's the leader that's going to make help make their transition easier, whether they're stepping into the professional school for the first time, or they're transitioning from building to building, row to row, or even out, it is those teacher leaders that are going to make those things easier and bring that support. So I would speak to them. And here's what I would say. One, I would say, don't give up on your vision and don't allow people saying that it's time to quit. Don't allow the complainers, don't allow the negative things, the extra demands that have nothing to do with education move you out of your place before your time. Mm. Don't let that movement move you. Let the mission be the thing that moves you. And then I, I would say be strategic and be patient. And in my in the term being strategic, don't try to solve every problem at one time because every school and every district probably has 101 problems that needs to be fixed. <laughs> and so, and the list probably grows daily. Find the one problem. And this is what they talk about a business about having your niche and niching down. But it's the same thing when you're problem solving. F- find that thing that just irks you the most that's gonna give but give the biggest impact when you solve it. That could be the catalyst for a solution for other problems. Find that and work on that. Don't try to do them all at once. And then be strategic. Create a strategy for how to do it. And as you're implementing your strategy, remember to be Patient, depending on how deep the problem is, how deep seated it is in a culture, how how many minds and perspectives need to be changed, mm. whatever systems need to be implemented. You know, all of those things may take some time. So you have to be patient and in your patience, celebrate, celebrate mm. every single milestone, every little thing you need to celebrate so you can stay in a place of momentum and hope as you do it.
0: Gosh, so good. So many little nuggets of wisdom. And you're right about time. I was one of those folks that wanted a quick solution, quick fix. I want to be done. I want to move on. I don't want to live in this problem forever. But you're working with humans and not everyone's going to move at the same pace or be emotionally ready or mentally ready. And it, it, you're right. It just takes time for folks to be willing and ready and able in leadership to change. So um, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I also was thinking as you're giving this advice, Who do you go to, to get advice, to keep growing and learning yourself? Wow,
1: so I I listen to a variety of people because I believe that one, I believe in the concept of having a next level guide, but then also having a mentor, which is two different things. Mm. And so I have a life mentor who has, I give him permission and I'm vulnerable with him to speak to me any area of my life. He could talk to me about my business, my leadership. He could talk to me about my faith, he can talk to me about how I deal with my family, how I treat my wife and kids, mm. whatever he wants to speak to, he has that permission. And whether I like it or not, I engage, I learn and I suck it up if it's something I don't want to hear because growing isn't always easy. And so I have, I have that mentor. His name is John W. Stevenson. He's a consultant, songwriter, producer. A lot of people sing his songs. He's travels the world speaking and consulting. He's an author. He. Does all kind of stuff. Wow. I mean, it would take 30 minutes to list all of his
0: accomplishments
1: <laughs> and all the things he does. And the key is he he's in these major circles with millionaires and billionaires and people who are who we would call celebrities who are well known. But he's he's kind of real low key about that part. He's just because he doesn't like to promote himself. And so yeah, one of the things I'm I'm encouraging him to do is do more personal branding. But but anyway, and so that's him. But then in terms of other things, I I believe there are people who will help you go to your next level who might not be that life mentor. So I have a few of them. You know, I draw from Pedro Adeo, who helps me learn how to run challenges to execute them well. There's a, a young lady named Latoya Early, who's a vision coach, who I help, who coaches me on my business to help me make sure I'm clear with who I'm talking to and how I reach them. And then when it comes to leadership, I still, I listen to Craig Groeschel and yeah. um, John Maxwell mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm, I'm reading the book Strength-Based Leadership. And so, oh, so I still, I'm still, you know, keep myself learning about leadership. So I continue to perfect my craft, even though I know that, my, that I'm to add to the leadership conversation and have my unique voice, but I still posture myself to learn.
0: And I think it's important that in order to best serve that we keep stretching our own perspective and But also in that sharing our unique perspective, because we can all talk about the same topic and have something different to contribute. So I'm glad that you're honoring that, even though other folks might be talking about the same thing, you still are willing to share how you feel about it or what you've experienced or what your thoughts are for next steps. So that's really helpful to, to think about and encourage other folks to speak up and share what's on your mind. No matter how many years of experience you have, everyone's got something they can share.
1: Absolutely. And here's the thing with that, too. And this is something that as teacher leaders and educators, we need to encourage our students. Because I've seen in education, especially when you get to those, when you get to the collegiate level, it's almost like your way of processing the information of what you learn isn't validated unless you have so many sources. Mm -hmm. You know, like how many sources did you get? Mm -hmm. I mean, and if you don't have those sources, then your paper is not correct and so but the problem with that is is that it deprograms us or it discourages people from adding to their adding their own original thought to what they're learning and so i believe it's essential as educators and educational leaders that we learn but we are free thinkers we add our own thought to it because sooner or later we have to move from being the regurgitator of information Mm -hmm. To the creator of information, that's how things progress. And so um, I'm glad you pointed that out.
0: Cool. I want to ask you a silly question. Uh, It's purposeful. I'm intentional with (laughs) why I'm asking. Um, I want to know your all-star moment. It could be a teacher moment or a leadership moment. But the reason I do this is obviously to celebrate great educators. But I want others who are listening to get an example of success that maybe they could replicate or try in their own building so that we can continue to breed success. So what would that moment be?
1: Man, um, I have to really think because I don't really think I have an all-star moment like that um because every because i celebrated progress as we go but i would say i would say my most one of the most significant moments was when i was challenged to turn around a charter school in half a school year and i started in january after that principal was let go um mid-year and one it was cool when i got there because the environment was so ready for change that they they had welcome you know banners and balloons and oh, all wow. kind of stuff <laughs> on my first day i was like oh my gosh this is so cool and so i would say the all-star moment was that i was able to connect with that team of teachers and we were able to strategically shift the culture of that building And you know, January is a tough time because you only have a couple months before state testing Mm -hmm. and then your third progress monitoring assessment and all of that kind of thing all in that same time. And being in the charter world, during that time, you're marketing, promoting the school to get enrollment for For the the next next school year. Uh And so all of that is happening. But we were able to really significantly improve that culture within that short period of time. Oh, yeah. And it's just it speaks to the power one of people all working together and mm-hmm. in, um, in unity and in, in concert together to bring change. Everyone being passionate, everyone doing their part, everyone, you know, contributing their ideas. But it also speaks to the power of vision when you have vision and not just having it when you have it, when you communicate it and when you act on it, Mm. that's when things happen.
0: What's your secret power is not only are you knowledgeable, you had all the strategy, you were chosen for a reason, you knew what to do, but you didn't rely on yourself to get it done the first strategy is employ everyone around you utilize their talents get them on board to help do this together and not one time did you say I did this and I did that you kept talking about we and what the teachers were able to do and that you were a team and I think that is why in less than six months you were able to turn that around and you're right that is a culture shift so bravo and great advice for someone who may be knowledgeable and great and has an amazing track record, but it's not about you and what you do. It's about how you motivate and support everyone else who's doing the work because your leadership legacy is when you're gone. And so if that school relies on Jamal to be there in order for it to work, then he's not a great leader. But if he can step away and he's created all the systems and motivated the people to keep going, now that is success.
1: Absolutely, because that's the and that's the part that's the role of a leaders to bring out the greatness in others. Mm-hmm. But part of the challenge and I could and I would just be real. It's not always easy because right. here here's the thing with leadership. They'll tell you if you do these things, then people will buy into your leadership and you can properly influence them because leadership is influencing people to take action. Mm-hmm. And so but that's where the challenge lies in, because the connecting with people. You know, helping them see the greatness in themselves and actually act on it. And some people are not going to want to buy into you. They're not going to want to buy into the vision. They're not going to want to step out of their comfort zone to be more, not do more, but be more. Mm-hmm. They're not going to. They're not going to want to do it. And some are going to think things are okay to where they are. Just enough is good enough. And so that's the challenge of leadership, of knowing how to influence people and what to do when people exercise their right to choose and they don't choose you and there's nothing that you have done or can do about it.
0: That's a lot to chew on. i got to take that in a minute.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because some people think if I just buy enough, And I'm seeing this on Twitter a lot too. They're like, look, don't buy me jeans, support me. But some people Mm -hmm. think if they get enough breakfasts or they Mm -hmm. give enough jean days, Mm -hmm. that that, that's actually building relationship and that's actually supporting teachers. When it's it's not, that can be part of your overall strategy, Mm -hmm. but it can't be the totality of how you show support. Yeah, it's deeper. Yeah, you're gonna have those outliers who simply don't vibe with you. And so I tell leaders, your responsibility is not to lead everybody, but to lead the right people. And sometimes the wrong people may be in your building or in your district, and you have to find a way to give them opportunity to buy into you and buy into the vision or buy into somebody else's vision mm-hmm. and, and another leader yep. and another district. And so, I mean, it is is what it is. And so um But some people beat themselves up trying to get these people to like them, and they start doing things to get people to like them, and then they almost get into this performance-based mentality. Right. I need them to like me, I need them to like me. When Well, yes, they'll like you, but you need them to trust and know the real you. Yeah. And then they can buy into you and buy into the vision.
0: Good point, good point. Hey y'all, popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, Hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. When you are consulting schools or educators, tell us more about what it is that you're offering. Are you writing books or doing PD sessions? What exactly does this look like? How are you giving back to the profession?
1: stuff mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of notes
0: and nothing and changes, changes.
1: Right. <laughs> nothing changes, and then you got to have a series of meetings to figure out how you're going to apply what you heard in this one day session <laughs> and so to make it easy and applicable my sessions are divided up my my solution is divided up into five different sessions and so when i come i'm coming teaching one leadership i'm teaching people how to lead how to be strategic but I'm also teaching them how to identify the one thing they're going to solve, how to create strategy behind it, and really the strategy begins with the culture before it begins before it goes to the, the tool or the process and system, and I, to give them strategy about building culture and being systematic in building the culture so that the tool and the system can can be effective. And so when I go in. I do that over a series of five sessions because it's not just, it's not Jamal talking. It's me sharing, but then we're going to talk about it and then we're going to do some work. And so that's how, how it's laid out.
0: Who comes to these? Is it just principals or is it teacher leaders like instructional coaches, mentors, facilitators, who?
1: Yeah, it's anybody in leadership. So it's teacher leaders, um, instructional leaders, as well as um, school principals. And those, those who aspire to be a school principal, I oh, get them right.
0: too. Okay, gotcha. So how do they sign up for these PD sessions? Or do they have to get their district to have you come in? Is that how it
1: works? Well, I have a two-way approach. Okay. Now, the district can bring me in, and I will come in and just boom, just hit them because they're all gathered together normally and in, in either at their district office or at one of the school cafeterias, you know, mm-hmm. how, you know how it is, you mm-hmm. go to the school cafeteria for PD. And so the district can bring me in or some people seek me out individually. So some people will reach out to me on, through my website and say, hey, I want to learn this material. And so I I either create a call, cohort at that time, depending on how many people are ready to start at that moment, mm-hmm. or I just do one-on-one sessions because I don't believe in making people wait for a cohort or I'm not one of those online coaches that say, oh, doors
0: open (laughs) doors open
1: now doors are closed and they won't open again for another six months Mm -hmm. well in six months a lot can happen in the life of a school right you you know so it's like we don't have that kind of time because i believe we have to move with urgency not being rushed but move with urgency Mm -hmm. and so it's like when people come and they're ready I'm like okay cool i'll get you in and we start really we start the next week after they after they come to me ready it's like okay next week we're getting going let's get you on the calendar and I teach them, I provide one-on-one if I need to.
0: That's amazing. Okay, so I want to be respectful of your time before I let you go. I just wanted to ask you, how do you yourself reignite your own passion, your potential as an educator?
1: Well, one of the things I do, of course, as you heard, I continue I stay in this place of learning and growing. And for me, my life has always been one of staying hopeful so i have certain things that i do to keep my passion of course i know how to unplug i work out i spend time with family my wife would tell you not not enough time but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but i spend some time with family i have this playful pit bull that takes my mind off of any and everything because <laughs> all he wants to do is play, play.
0: Every, time, every time
1: he sees me he's ready to go i don't even have to do anything yeah. and so i do stuff like that but i also i'm intentional to spend time in prayer. I'm a person of faith so mm-hmm. I spend I spend a lot of time in prayer. I don't and I and I have learned not to make it one way that I don't just talk to God, tell him everything that's going on and dip.
0: Mm. Because
1: because I believe God already knows everything that's going on. Yep. I don't have to inform him of anything. And so when I spend time with God is me talking to him and listening and spending time quiet listening. So I'll pray, I may say something, and then I'll be quiet to hear what he will say back to me. Mm-hmm. And so between nurturing my spiritual life and building my faith, spending time with family, and recognizing this is my purpose in life, that's that's really what keeps me motivated. And mm-hmm. then I add in the thing of, um, of daily declarations. Some people say affirmations. Mm-hmm. I I do declarations because I'm not trying to affirm, I'm trying to declare something, establish it in my life. And so I do those daily without fail. Even on vacation, it's like, (laughs) boom, I get up and do it. It's just part of how you
0: operate, right?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Very cool. Well, on behalf of Educators Everywhere, thank you so much for your time. Can you tell us how to connect with you, especially if we want to do some PD with you or we want to listen in on one of your clubhouse chats? Give us all the details.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to connect is to go to my website, jamalmaxim.org, and you can find out information about me. You can get on my calendar and you can check out uh, the the weekly lives that I do um, about school leadership and about leadership in general. But also on Clubhouse, you can follow me there in the Igniting Champion Leaders Club and catch I do about three rooms a week now, and one room is strictly for those people of faith, and it's a prayer room for education. And so um, and so we do that Monday mornings, and then I do a weekly leadership room, which normally is a deeper dive into the topic that I talk about when I do um, my, my video podcast. And so, yeah, they can connect with me on Clubhouse, but also just go to my website, get on my email list, because then they know exactly where I am at any time.
0: Awesome. Okay, well, we got to connect with Jamal. He's got lots of things to share with us about faith and leadership and just growing ourselves so that we can become even better to impact everyone around us. So Jamal, thanks for your time. I appreciate all the nuggets of wisdom you shared. You are always eloquent and inspiring. So I thank you so much.
1: Thank you. It was it was great being here with you and an honor to speak to your listeners.
0: Thanks so much. Wow, y'all, was that not an empowering message? I promised you it would be. Jamal came through. That man is on fire to help others become better. As you can see, he pivoted in his life to continue following his gut, using his talents from every different angle, every experience he had to bless somebody else. He's a problem solver. He has lots of solutions, but his secret weapon is working with people to create change for their schools so that everyone can be productive, healthy, happy, and successful. Jamal, if you're listening, thank you so much for killing it today on the podcast. I love working and connecting with you. Please continue your mission. I am right here rooting for you. And y'all, please go connect with him. Follow him on social. Get into his DMs. Shoot him an email. He is such a giver. He cannot wait to help you think through your current obstacle. All right, y'all. That's a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Jamal Maxim. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. Empowered.